Oh my God, the Paris Hilton of it all. You know, when I tell you I don't care about a goddamn thing in, in these episodes, these ep- this could have been a 42-minute 2020. But we're going to have fun. We're, we always have fun. I'm just saying, this could have been a 42-minute episode of something. It's three hours. So we're doing two episodes. Family, as Julia was saying, we are doing these three episodes of The Curse of the Von Dutch in two episodes. So it's the thing we do sometimes where episode one, you're listening to it. Yes. Episode two is live right now at the $5 level ad-free on the Patreon. Yes. It'll also be the regular episode next week. So if you just got to hear about like what happens on the second half of this nonsense. It is a wild ride. <laughs> it I is a wild that. ride. And Start like, to finish. The murder is what happens like in the in the last 10 minutes of this thing. And it is wild. There are a couple murders throughout. Yeah, I that's true. It's real bad. <laughs> Fam, if you want more Jillian to me, join us on the Patreon. It's where you get, I don't know, 350 full ad-free bonus apps. Oh, yeah. At the very least, that Gacy thing on Peacock, Yo, yeah. Bad Vegan, yes. Murder Among the Mormons, Heaven's Gate, The Vow, Tiger King. Hey, Serial Season 1, if you want to revisit right. the stuff that's been in the news lately. Yeah, I don't know, because Adnan is out! Adnan is free! Woo! Also, follow us on TikTok. If you want to see the fun recorded moments of the episodes, follow us on the TikTok. Yeah. It's uh, True Crime Obsessed Pod. Right. Join our Facebook group, True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. The bonus there is you get to meet like 50,000 cool other friends. Yeah. And it's like a fun place to decompress and share true crime stories and talk about the episodes and just like share your dog pics. Yeah. I feel like I'm just saying yeah and agreeing with you a lot, but everything you're saying is fact, so I really can't argue with you. Well, you look perfect today. You look perfect today. Thank you so much. girl what are we talking about today i like when we aggressively compliment each other I anyway know. you look great no you look no, great you look you great. listen to me you, you look phenomenal <laughs> like a million bucks thank you so much you're welcome we are talking about the curse of the von dutch a brand to die for three episodes on hulu to me this is like sasquatch 2.0 it yeah, feels like the sasquatch sure. thing which is also talk on hulu. about paris hilton like that hey i didn't <laughs> say anything of the sort Von Dutch was iconic for Y2K fashion. Trucker caps, jeans, jackets. That was like our uniform, basically. They didn't know how to run a business. It was really a facade. Everybody on the planet had Von Dutch. That hat, it was like crack to the streets. I started hanging out with Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Money was rolling in. North of a billion. Tons of girls in block parties. Champagne. Private check. Paris jumps out of a cake. <laughs> the things that you dream about doing, I got to do. And all these cars and homes. It was such an amazing achievement. The difficulty was one of the co-founders was charged with first-degree murder. Get ready, because in the art of war, anything goes. All right, girl. So we're starting with episode one. It's called Who Created Von Dutch? Well, depending on who you ask, any number of people. I know I've been talking about Paris Hilton a lot. I just, my first note here is I'm just not really in the mood for Paris Hilton today, which is good because she's only in this for about five minutes. Right. This was, this was promoted. Like it was Paris Hilton telling the story of the fall (laughs) of that shitty Von Dutch brand. Yeah. yeah. That's what everyone, that's why everyone tuned in. I thought the Von Dutch brand was pretty sexy. And I got to tell you, until. We find out. So we learned, like, eventually, we'll get there in a minute, that, like, the Von Dutch situation was actually built on an artist. I didn't know that. So, like, this artist who, like, made cool, irreverent, like, logos and paintings and race cars and shit. He's a hot rod legend. He was what was called a garage surrealist. He had that something about himself where he was a magnetic figure. He was as cool as it gets. And he had a dark sense of humor. 
if he were to draw somebody, if he had a, a, a meat cleaver stuck in his forehead, that would be a nice addition. Before we find out what we find out about this guy, I was looking up like original artwork by him. Don't get him. too attached to him. <laughs> Piece Don't of shit. get attached. Yeah. Piece of shit. This whole thing starts with the producer tossing the Von Dutch hats to at everybody. All of we the- need a thousand people. I'm like, they went for a look here. They thought that was going to look real cool. Yeah, for every because it is a little bit of a time machine, much uh-huh. like the soundtrack uh-huh. is a time machine. But there's uh-huh. something about like they get thrown the hat and they're like, whoa. I know. And then by the end of it, they're like, give me that hat back. I know. <laughs> they I know. actually you, asked for that. The Von Dutch hats were, were cool. Did you not like them? I thought the Von Dutch brand was pretty sexy. Um, um, it was okay, okay, I guess. I don't know. I, it didn't really... <laughs> it wasn't just, like, plain black. Yeah, that was a major <laughs> issue I had with Abercrombie, aside yeah, from yeah, the yeah. racism. You couldn't just get something that just was, like, plain. I know. There are definitely some Abercrombie vibes in this one. Big time. Don't you think? A lot of gatekeeping. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Not enough gays, though. You would think there'd be more gays in this stuff. I didn't see nary a one. Because they knew. They do. <laughs> they knew right away. Mm-mm. Not falling the for gays. this shit. I gotta say, oh, the Von Dutch look was very hot. Well, so we meet a thousand people. They're all getting thrown Von Dutch hats. But we meet a lawyer who just says to us, everything was great. The one small problem is that he was charged with first degree murder. And I'm Yo, like, holy shit. Not the lawyer. Not the lawyer. To no, talk. that's that's the quote. Everything was totally fine. Yeah. One small snag. He was, uh, charged, he was with charged with first yeah. degree murder. But like the whole point of this episode is like who invented this brand? So we meet this guy, Ed Boswell. And he, the first I hate thing, Ed. I hate Ed too. And the first thing he says, yeah, so everybody knows the story of Von Dutch clothing, the phenomena that happened with it. Not too many people know what happened behind the scenes and under the surface. Everyone knows the story of Von Dutch. I was like, no, girl. He also says, greetings, Andre Voodoo. <laughs> Ed? <laughs> Ed wants to do this interview lying down in bed because it's all just too much. I, but he didn't clean. That's kind of how I wanted to do this day. Yeah. You but know? you would have, I would think, like straightened up a little bit. Maybe. Ed's like, hey, let's, he thinks this is like funny and quirky and charming yeah, and cute. Yes. It's not. Uh, no. But he doesn't clean up at all before the crew gets there. <laughs> Wait, that means he would probably have a little sign that says, Bless this mess. God bless God this mess. God bless this mess. Oh, sorry. You. Well, if you're blessing it, who does it really matter who's doing it? God has blessed this God mess. God has blessed this mess. But what, I don't know, I, clearly you missed this. What? Because as he's like taking the blanket off the bed, there's like a bottle of something that, oh, like, is no. it lube? Is it lotion? I don't know, but I hate it all. Oh, no. No! And the camera, like, kind of zooms in on it, but, like, doesn't want to make a thing about it. Can you imagine the situation where you realize you just had some personal time and forgot to, like, remove Ed the doesn't care. bottle of lube before the documentary He wanted everyone to see it. Ed is, like, a, Ed is a legend in his own mind. And only his own mind. Ed, enough. But we have to spend, like, a lot of time with Ed this I time. do also, like, appreciate that we do get a moment with him where he's getting a COVID test. And he's like, hey, watch the nostril. And the way the I nurse know. goes, what happened? <laughs> Like, what now, Ed? The nurse has been there four minutes and Ed's already had a problem with everything and a story for days. What happened? Be careful with the left. What happened? I was stabbed with a pencil by a crazed Filipino. She's like, fine, we'll do the other one. She's unfazed by this I know, and I love her for it. I know. So, but we we learned about the real Von Dutch guy. His name was Kenneth Howard. They say he was a hot rod legend and a garage surrealist. Yeah, whatever the hell What's that a means. a garage surrealist, girl? I had an 
I can't say uh, spoilers <laughs> if I say what they what it yeah, really is. Yeah, that's true. But you know, he was as cool as it gets, says Ed. Well, they want us to think of him as like a Jackson Pollock type. Sure. You know, but like hot rods yeah. and, and like like garage culture, meaning like he just spent a lot of time in garages, like working on cars. Which is, they keep saying that as though like that's a thing. Like they talk about how like he painted the lightning bolts on the cars. That was a big thing, like a long time ago. How do you know? Because like the fifties, and I saw a little saw movie Greece called once? Grease and Grease Two. Okay, I am an expert. Um, but no, like Hot Rods. Grease Grease lightning, go, Grease that song's not for kids. No, Grease Two is a better movie. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point yeah. is, but you know what the best movie musical of them all? Which one? Newsies. Oh, of course. Open the gates and, and seize the day. Whoa, where'd that go? <laughs> I went up and be afraid and don't delay. delay. Oh, I don't know where we no. are here. <laughs> it can break us. No, no one, one can, can make, make us give our rights away. Here we go. Arise and seize the day. The movie's better than the music. One million percent. I will die on that hill. <laughs> Me too. I know. I have friends who were in the original company. I know. So sorry. <laughs> The movie's better. The movie is better. So Ed is our curmudgeon here, and yeah. he's very proud of it. He uh, hates everything. He's mad at everything. I'm in good company, I feel I, like. Yeah, please. You're nothing <laughs> like Ed. Ed wants everyone to know that... Eventually, the line drifted away from the spirit of Von Dutch, and it was just a Paris Hilton-fueled celebrity line. They went the total glitter Hollywood look. If Von Dutch would have been around, he would have blown the shop up, for sure. He would have hated it. The spirit of Von Dutch was destroyed by Paris Hilton and the rest of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Ed, take but a breath. I gotta say, though, that it was a revelation to find out that, like, Von Dutch wasn't just created by a Paris Hilton type. Sure. When we meet the people who did build this company, there was a lot of thought put into why break the silence of the universe, as Steve always says. I get, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was cool, and it was very beautiful. Because Ed says the real Von Dutch would have hated Paris Hilton. Yes. I don't know why they keep singling out I know. Paris Hilton. I guess because she was, like, arguably the most famous at the time, wearing Von Dutch. And it's all she Can I just tell a quick Paris Hilton story? Because I have a friend, my friend Sam was like legitimately friends with her like in the 2000s and Sam used to like have a party once a week and I just have it on good authority from people who attended those parties which I bartended so I met Paris Hilton many times. She was always very nice to me but apparently she's a big fucking asshole. I have it on good authority so I went to high school on the Upper East Side as did Nikki Hilton and Mm -hmm. Paris. I was not there so this is absolute hearsay but I have been told that they actually have said, like, don't you know who our grandfather is? Oh, my God. And that's what I've heard. Now, now I... are all are all 16-year-olds assholes? Absolutely. <laughs> They're all nightmares. But I can't imagine when you come from, like, an empire uh-huh. like that. Also, it's like Paris. It's the Hilton. It's not... Your, your name isn't, like, Paris Four Seasons, okay? Your, na- your, your name Hilton's isn't, like, like Paris ever- St. Regis. Right, but, like, Hilton's are everywhere. But it would be like, my name is Patrick Kentucky Fried Chicken. Sure, there's a lot of money there, but it doesn't make me sound fancy. It's not hotel money. I know. <laughs> what if my name were Patrick Kentucky Fried Chicken? <laughs> KFC for short. <laughs> PKFC. So Ed is saying... There's a curse that Von Dutch put on this. And it imploded on everybody along the lines to varying degrees. He hated 
Paris Hilton and all of Hollywood and the real Von Dutch put a curse on the brand. And I'm like, Ed, I know. you lost me at the bottle of lube in your bed. I, you lost me at <laughs> greetings, Entree Voodoo. I was yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was out the door. Wait, is that, what New is shape. he trying to say? Like, welcome. Come okay. on in. Entree Voodoo. Entree, he's just trying to be cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. He's, a, he's his own manic pixie dream girl. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite things about you is you're never going for any of that bullshit. Like, don't also be a curmudgeon Like, I agree. If you're going to say greetings, Entree Voodoo, at least also be pleasant to be around. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know what? Put the lube away before the documentary. I would accept, like, oh, yeah. said, then, then yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. leave the party <laughs> thinking, oh, I, then I, all I say is greetings, Entree Voodoo. If you're pleasant to be around, yeah, it's yeah, different. Yeah. But Ed, like, prides himself on being a curmudgeon and he's mad at everybody. <laughs> and he leaves the lube in the bed. I I don't know what it was, but if lotion and a bottle of something. It, it's know. not a bottle of booze. It's right. like a, it's like a, it's a, it's a lotion of it's, some kind. Okay, moving on. Anyway. We, so now we go to Venice Beach and we meet a guy named Bobby Vaughn. Because they make everyone say, I'm Ed Boswell and I created Von Dutch. And then yes. it's like, or did he? Because uh-huh. now we're going to Bobby Vaughn and he's like, hi, I'm Bobby Vaughn. I'm the creator of Von Dutch. Yeah. And this guy's a character. Yeah. He's telling us that he's lived in 90 places in his life. He's never stayed in one place longer than eight months. You know, here's a phrase we haven't said in a long time. What's that? Unreliable narrator. Totally. Right now, Bobby takes the cake on Yeah. But I mean, Ed's bad. They're all bad. They're all unreliable narrators except for maybe two people in this. I agree. But Bobby exaggerates. And like, weirdly, Paris Hilton is one of the ones I'm believing. One thousand percent. Absolutely. And But Bobby exaggerates a lot. And these stories don't need any exaggeration because no. it's all ridiculous. But he's a little bit of an exaggerator. We get the Bobby backstory. He was adopted. He said his mom was Jap- Japanese. His dad was Mexican. And she said, my mom held on to me for a week and then gave me to the state. I right. was like, oh, God. Yeah. But he was adopted by the Vaughn family, this, like, very white family. He's half Japanese, half Mexican. And he spends his whole childhood, like, feeling like an outsider and, like, he doesn't fit in. And he gets beat up at school. So I was always, like, had that kind of race stuff going. So I was like... Just totally, you know, different, man. I used to take 15 showers a day, bro, to try to scrub my skin off, man. I used to try to cut the little eye flaps out of my eyes because I was, like, part Asian. That's, like, the stuff I dealt with. We get another one of those fucking stories where the kid's in the shower 15 times a day trying to wash off his skin color. Right. What the fuck? Because it's not white. It's like It's, like, dirty. The bully's words, not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in order to, like, save himself, Bobby finds surfing. Yeah, and he, like, fell in love with it. But the one bad thing about surfing is that there was no, like, badass surfwear. Yeah, so, okay, I grew up on the beach, right? I grew up on Cape Cod. Yeah. Not as nice as everybody thinks (laughs) it is. I was going to say, not the California surfer (laughs) beach. Different kind of beach. No, but I grew up in a beach town and so, like, these brands that he's calling, like, sissy brands, like Ocean Pacific and Billabong, yeah. those are the brands that every kid at my school wore, all like Tevas. I thought they were Tevas. I think we say Teva now. Okay, I don't but know. I could be wrong. But I'm just saying, he thinks those brands are for sissies. Quicksilver? He hates Quicksilver. He hates Quicksilver. <laughs> so he's, like, going around wishing he had surfer clothes that looked as cool as he does. Yes. You know? Yes. And he's seeing this skeleton fish everywhere. Well, so it's a brand called the Bronze Age. Uh-huh. Now, the skeleton fish logo, the first thing I think of, you're not going to know any of this, so you can tune out if you okay, want. Okay, great. It, there's a band. I'm going to click on the Golden Girls. Let me know when you're yeah, ready yeah. for me. Dude, wait, I want to watch. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's the one with Rose's blind sister. Was, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. then watch it. Where she like almost accidentally sets the kitchen on fire and Blanche actually yells at you her. You can totally watch that one. Okay. I hate that episode. 
The first thing I think of is this band called Fishbone, which is their exact logo. And then the bassist from Fishbone is one of the many talking heads in this doc. That's all. We're back. And we're back. You're right. That is a bad episode. It's terrible. Holy shit. It's horrible. I forgot. She's wearing that floral print. It's a little, it's way too much. It's too much. And a lesson we don't really need. No. Stop trying to teach me things. <laughs> Just tell stories from the old country. The thing about this clothing brand is that it was the anti-Ocean Pacific. When I tell you that when I was a little kid and my sister worked at a t-shirt store and we would try to make t-shirts that look like they said OP on them because we couldn't afford the actual shirts. I can't even place what Ocean Pacific is. It feels like a very... Do you know what Varney shirts are? No. It's like I, another thing that Steve has never heard of either, but I grew up in a beach town, so... If I, if I saw it, I'd probably see maybe. it, Maybe. Right? It's like the big V. They make sunglasses now. I don't know what you're talking... The shirts okay. look like a V? No. Never mind. Just moving on. Oh, my God. Okay. Now we learn about this guy, Mike Cassell. So Mike oh. Cassell is the guy behind this brand. What's it called? The Bronze Age. Or yeah. Bronze Age. If you fuck with him, you're in trouble. You know, he's got people. I talk to people who were like, when I was coming up, I was scared of Mike Cassell. Mike. Mike. Mike Cassell. Mike Cassell. Mike Cassell. Mike Cassell. Mike Cassell. Mike Cassell. What I knew about him was he was crazy. Mike Cassell. That's a bad dude. All we know about this guy, Mike Cassell, is that he is the baddest fucking bastard this side of the ukulele or whatever. This side of the Mississippi, I think, is the side of the ukulele. What? You're like way too, you're down by the beach too much. We need you to come back to the real world. I don't know. I have no idea. TikTok, I don't know. Do you know? Help. I'm going to take it again. Okay. He's like the meanest bastard. Yeah. I don't have, I don't, he's just the meanest bastard, and girl. real big into the drug trade. We, someone says, yeah, we used to call it the Cassell cartel days. And right. I'm like, oh shit, everyone was scared of him. You don't cross this guy, he'll fucking kill you. No. Now, we yes. need him now. And he's not doing well. No. So like, we get 10 minutes of everybody saying like, what a badass bad guy They do that was. thing where it's like, Mike Cassell, Mike Cassell, yeah, Mike Cassell. Yeah. Oh my God. Everyone knew his name and everyone was terrified Terrified. And so we're in quote, somewhere in Southern California. Yeah. And we roll up on him like in a wheelchair chair and like he's kind of a sweet old man he's got a dog he like lives in a trailer he's wheeling himself in that german shepherd i'd love a lower third hulu i'd love <laughs> to know. know this dog's name because he plays a major role yeah. this dog loves him and he loves his dog like yes. his dog is walking is, is a very old dog as well this german yeah. shepherd i love german shepherds so much they're so great yeah sorry i went back to the golden i know Girls. i, I saw you yeah <laughs> that's a terrible episode I, that episode feels like it's an hour long i'm good i, I can reference old no you're right old bands from the 90s yeah, 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 and yeah. dogs for as long as i want um, like the dog like waits for him to get I into know. the house. Like they just, ha- they love each other. He's also smoking something, which I think is like pain management medicine. It's, it's, it's very heroin. Is that what that is? I, th- I, I mean, honestly, so. the opioids are used for pain management and he's yeah. saying that he's like in constant pain. So it's just, oh, oh. And then two seconds later, he's standing up and pissing into a jar. He does that a couple times. Yeah. For some reason, like the fucking film crew thinks we need to see that and hear it, by the way. People need to know that. The way the world works isn't always fair, you know? And, and it sucks because, you know, that means you could put your whole life into something that you love, get it taken away, and, and too bad, you know? I think they're really trying to show, like, this guy used to be badass, and now he's a shell of a man. And I'm like, all right, I, I See, don't no, know. I didn't, I, I agree that they were trying to show us that. I did not see that. I think this man's got a lot of perspective. I, I yeah. And I, I think, like, I thoroughly enjoyed everything he had to say. I thought he was, I really liked this guy. Yeah, I just wonder, like, What'd you get away with, Mike, back I in the know. day? Well, like, he's the kind of guy that you look at and you're like, you crazy? Are you a murderer? What's with the meat? You crazy? Mike, let me ask you a question. Are you a murderer? <laughs> I'm like, do you know where the gardener art he, is? He, like, 
knows the Escobars. Uh, I know. Orc does, or does he? he? Like, we'll he get knows a... people who, yes. who would kill for money. That's all I need to know. Exactly. Anyway, he also created Von Dutch Originals. Yeah. <laughs> Mike so also like, is the creator. The other one, what's it called? Oh, uh, Bronze Age. Bronze Age was like his thing. Yes. So like that's where he started. Ed hates everybody. Ed the Grump from the beginning. He hates Bobby. He hates Mike. Everyone hates each other. Yes. And also Mike, the, the guy who's like not doing well now, he is also Asian and he talks about being bullied for being Asian. Yeah. Like everybody's life was really fucking hard. Right. And so he starts drug dealing. Like he starts standing. He feels like he has to be extra tough. Yeah. And that's sort of how he became the scary guy that everyone was talking about. Yeah. He's selling drugs. He, this is when he says he meets the Escobar family. But he's living like a king. He's buying homes and Ferraris. I'll never understand the Ferrari of it all. I, I won't either. I will just. Like that's not what I'm spending my money on. I don't. Yeah. It's you like buying a boat. Why don't you throw your money in the ocean? <laughs> it's the same exact thing. It's the same thing. Am I wrong? I didn't know you hated boats. Like I just think, I think I was like told that once and now uh-huh. I'm just like, it's like used throwing it. your money in the ocean. Yeah. It's a lot of upkeep. So I'm told. I didn't realize you hated boats. I didn't know that about you. But the point is, he's doing great. He's making a ton of money. You know, he had all his cars and homes. And I'm just thinking like, man, that's he's living it like a king, you know? I was not planning on making that my living. I was thinking I'm going to have to figure out ways to at least transition. What would I want to do in my life? And I decided I'd like to have a clothing company. There was a time when you had to figure out ways to launder the money. He wants to get out of the drug trade, but also the fashion business. Turns out it's a really easy place to launder all his drug money. It's a perfect way yeah. to launder your money. And I'm like, okay, that's new. Yeah. So put a pin in this guy for a second, because now we got to meet Mark Rebus. Rebus. Mark Rebus. <laughs> You're right. Mark Rivas yeah. is his name. Okay, great. But that guy, Bobby, the one who was adopted. Yes. The surfer. He knew this guy from high school. And this guy, Mark Rivas, was like a, another like scary badass. He came from a family that was big into the gang scene and like into some really scary stuff. Yeah. And Bobby tells us this insane story about the first time they, quote, caught action together. Mm-hmm. They were going into a Taco Bell, which God bless them. Uh-huh. But on the way in, they get jumped by this group of guys and they're trying to fight them off. One of the guys takes a fucking screwdriver and stabs Mark through the leg. Mark rips the thing out and chases the guy down the street with it. Says Bobby. Says Bobby. I think they were into some scary stuff. I'm yes. sure about half of that uh, is true, but Bobby is is an exaggerator yeah. and he's a he's an expert on rewriting history. The fucking screwdriver as weapon. I will now I live know. in fear of that for the rest of my life. And the filmmaker's like, I'm sorry, how old are you? And Bobby's like, oh, like ninth grade? Yeah. Freshman year. And I'm like, Bobby, Bobby He loves telling loves, these stories. Loves this. And yeah. he's exaggerating. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it again. I'm sorry, Bobby. Ugh. I'm not that I mean, I'm not that sorry. And then we learn that Mark and family buy Bobby a gun. Through the family, I got a gun. It was like the small little 25 chrome that I could carry and they were like keep this, you know. It was like the protection level had to come up because then I was like I was associated. They're like you're part of the family now. Here's a gun, you're girl. 14 years old. Take right. this. <laughs> Illegal weapon. Take this illegal weapon. Yeah. So Mike Cassell, the guy with the dog, eventually gets arrested because, of course, right? Yeah. He gets four years for dealing cocaine, and he's sent to San Quentin. And he says he did a lot of thinking in prison. I, which I would imagine one does. I would think. You know? And he's like, you know what? He keeps working on the clothing brand from prison. He's is telling us that he's meeting all these, like, artistic men in prison, and he's trading them cigarettes for T-shirt designs. Yeah. I'm like... Pay those guys. Uh, please pay them. You know or what I mean? With the promise of yes. once I get out of here and blow. Because on the outside, 
the brand is blowing up. Exactly. Because it's also like a lot of people think it's fucking cool yeah. that they're wearing designs that prisoners made. Yeah. Right? I mean, yes, yes. It feels exploitive on all sides. Yeah, everyone's like, it's so cool. The guy's in prison for coke. Like, awesome, uh-huh. right? And I'm like, okay. I know. The 80s were wild. Yeah. So now it's January 93, and we're back with Bobby, the one that like was with his friend that got stabbed in the leg with the screwdriver right. at the Taco Bell. Yeah. So Bobby is telling us a story about that gun that the family bought him sure. is in his locker yes. in high school. In high school. And some kid comes up to him and is like, hey, I hear you're selling guns for the Mark Revis family. And he's like, I've got one gun I'll sell you right now. Why is this not terrifying everybody? I don't understand. But then they're like, you know what? Let's go do the sale at the local Burger King. Right. <laughs> where all good transactions happen in the parking lot of the Burger yeah, King. Yeah, they're like, you know what? I'm just going to I'm gonna bring the gun with me to Burger King where all the kids are hanging out after partying, by the way. So all these like ninth graders are wasted and there's a gun present. Well, and then exactly what you think would happen, happened. Like something uh, horrible like, happens. Pa- somebody gives Patrick a gun. Right. And I'm like walking through the parking lot, like holding Fiddling it. with it to make sure you're not going to pull the trigger and you fucking pull the trigger. Can- That's, I mean, and then, so what happens is Bobby's, like, walking across the parking lot to do this, like, very serious deal, and he has a gun gun in a Burger King parking lot. They're 14 years old. Yeah. Bobby has the gun in his pocket. It accidentally goes off. Tons of people are around, and, like, minutes later, a melee breaks out, and it's just absolute, like, violent chaos. And it's also just, like, how easily this all could have gone wrong. Like, he could have shot- It does go wrong. It goes incredibly (laughs) wrong. It started wrong. But I'm just saying, he could have shot himself in the leg. He could have shot something in the fucking face? Well, what happens is that these gang members are like, is there a fight happening at the Burger King? And these, like, gang members come up and, and like, join the melee. Yeah. These guys just drove in to kill us. Like, they were just, like, straight at it in the Astro van, and they piled out. But Mark, he was just, like, pulled his gun out. He's like, fuck that shit. When he shoots, the first two fire off. When someone's shot, you can feel the connection. You can hear it. I heard it. I was like, okay, he got hit. It was a straight fucking murder, bro. It was a straight fucking murder. Because one of the guys comes up and gets in Mark's face. Mark just pops him in the face with a gun. Now, again, all of this is told according to Bobby. Right. So uh, how much do we believe? I don't know. I don't know. What we do know for sure is that the guy got shot and died. That's real. And that Mark killed this guy. Mark, Like, teenage Mark killed some gang member. Yeah, so, like, everyone takes off running. So it's, like, Bobby and his friend Mark and some other guy, and they're, like, on the run, right? Like, they need to, like, get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, because Bobby is saying, like, my friend Mark who just shot this guy in the face. We got to get him not just out of town. We got to get him out of the country. To Mexico. They're going to cross the border. They're in a car drinking tequila, driving to Mexico. All of these bad ideas. With a loaded gun. With a loaded gun. What could possibly go wrong? Teenagers are nightmares. Like, oh my fucking God. And I'm like, where's Bobby's family? The one that adopted him. I know. Well, he's just rebelling because he he just dealt with all of this like shitty stuff when he was a kid. So then like the cops are on their tail. All of these hammered people are telling Bobby. I got some stupid little sawed-off shotgun. And Mark kept, like, talking shit. Like, dude, don't fucking be a bitch. We ain't going down. You just gotta blast this cop. He's wanted for murder. I'm fucking sitting with Jimmy. How am I gonna get out of this situation? So I'm sitting there, and I start really quick thinking, like, fuck, I ain't killing no cop. How can I blaze both these guys? And I remember just going, like, looking, kind of looking at these guys, like, fuck, how do I get, like, we're gonna just kill myself at this point. No, 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 maybe I'll just kill myself. Then they, like, outrun the cops somehow. The cops yeah. are like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. We'll, like, go down some other road. According to Bobby. According to Bobby. Then they just start, like, crying tears of relief yeah. and getting 
more hammered drinking tequila. I'm just saying that, like, these two incredibly violent guys spend a lot of time getting wasted, sobbing, and holding each other. I would, too. There's honestly. so like, much holding each other between these two men. It makes even me Mark uncomfortable. Mark and Bobby. It's, it gets, it's a toxic codependent relationship. We'll get to it in a little bit. But they end up driving to Mexico where there's this tearful goodbye scene. More where holding. More, more, more crying, holding. More holding. In the middle of the woods in the middle of the night. Like, how right. fucking romantic. Drunk. Drunk, totally. On tequila. That, that's a, that could be a very dark, sad drunk. No, tequila is the upper. Tequila is the only alcohol that's an upper. Well, some people go dark. Okay. Woo! I've seen it. Oh, I was going to say, it it's seems real like you bad. had some personal experience. It gets, I've, I've been around people where I'm like, oh God, your face just changed. Okay, <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to close out. Okay. Uh, I'm oh, not doing this. Yeah. I'm not doing oh, this anymore. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You've, you've crossed, a, oh shit, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. Bye. This, this was fun and then your face changed and got weird and now you're mad at everything and I'm going to go. <laughs> Bye. You're not talking to me. I didn't do that. No. I'm, okay. No. I've never, well, maybe once. I'm talking about redacted, redacted. <laughs> But the point is, Bobby is giving this guy Mark a hug, and then Mark runs into Mexico to live his life on the run, on the having run. just committed this murder in a Burger King parking lot like 12 hours ago. And then Bobby's like, man, I got to make some changes, huh? Yeah, like, no. I can't live like this. And he decides no more gangs, no yeah. more guns, like, just surfing, and that's it. Because surfing really does make him very, very happy. Yeah. So we're back with Mike, the one who did a lot of thinking in prison while exploiting his cellmates for their art. For the for Bronze Age. Remember the, how much I liked this guy like 10 minutes ago? I was going to say anything. It's fun, it's fun watching your journey. You love him, you hate him, you love him, you hate him. On a dime with me. You right? never can tell. I said last, last week, I was like, you're fickle. I know. Come I'm going to love Paris Hilton by the end of this thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But in between, you're going to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Who knows? So Bronze Age is going great. But basically, Mike Cassell is out of prison and does the same thing. Like, B- yeah. Bobby and Mike Cassell are kind of on the same trajectory because they're both like, all right, things got to change. I'm going to focus on what I love. Bobby is surfing. Mike Cassell is the brand. But then we learn that Bobby just, like, loves this Bronze Age brand. So he somehow just calls up Mike and is like, bro, I want to come work for you. Right. So it's three years after these horrible things happened to both of them. Bobby's now 19 years old. I know. He's still so young. And he calls Bronze Age and he's like, hey, I want to rep you. Like, I'm a surfer. I just want like, I just want to be involved. I don't know what that means, rep you. I'm like, are you trying to model? Because we see pictures of Bobby back in the day. He's fucking gorgeous. Yeah, but sometimes, like, skaters and surfers would be like, oh, you know, I represent this company, so they would only wear those clothes. Yep, so he's yep, saying, like, yep. look, I'm going to be around. I'm sort of making a name for myself in the surf world. Can I just, like, wear your clothes? And that'll, like, then we kind of just can help each other out. I also love that Mike, the owner of the company, was like, thinking, like, oh, he looks like a guy who dances at Chippendales. We don't deal with those kind of guys. <laughs> He's, like, too hot. He no-homos him right on the spot. Right. He's, like, too, like, girly looking yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like, like, too he's, pretty. Yeah, whatever. I get that all the time. I know what you that know. kind of discrimination You're both is blonde. like. I know. I get it. It's hard I know. You. It really is. It's I just hard. wish that people could see me on the inside. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've seen it. It's pretty good. <laughs> I like it. I like what's Thank in there. This so nice big heart. I love it. But Mike ends up kind of like adopting Bobby and they have this like great connection. Mike says he's kind of like a dad. He's going to show him the ropes and he's like, kid, look, I'm going to teach you the ways of the fashion world. And if you like it and you're good at it, you can either work with me or you can go do your own thing. And also Bobby genuinely loved this brand. Like there was no bullshit. He loved the clothes. He really, really wanted to be involved. And I think that goes a long way with a guy like Mike. Same. And I I think that Bobby and Mike and Mike's girlfriend, Janelle, all developed this kind of family rapport that they all kind of needed. Right. So Janelle is here. Janelle is Mike's ex-wife. I love Janelle. She's drinking champagne in the middle of the day. Yeah. She is sitting on a sea of pillows on the floor (laughs) drinking champagne. I love it. 
love her. I know, I've, been, I've been in that position, just <laughs> sitting on the floor, drinking, having a conversation. But she's popping champagne, and she's like, woo! And she says, she was like, I was going to shake the champagne, but I didn't. And I'm like, oh, Janelle needs every last drop to get through this story. <laughs> yeah, and I don't blame okay. her. Yeah, I'm, I agree. This is where we start to learn that, like, Mike, who's running this, like, really successful clothing brand, like, from the ground, is really fucking bad at business. So we learn about this guy, Irving Cass. Mike Cassell did a transaction with a guy named Irving Cass, who um, at the time basically bought Bronze Age uh, for about $35,000, which was the amount of inventory, actually, that Bronze Age had on hand. Didn't value anything else, including the trademarks or anything else, and hired Mark, Mike Cassell to work uh, for Bronze Age. You got $35,000 worth of t-shirts right here. I'll give you $35,000 and I'll own the brand and you now work for me. All he does is pay for the inventory, yeah. not the value of the brand and the street cred. And like Mike doesn't know any better, so he just goes along with it. Also, you know who tells us this? Stephen Lowe, uh, lawyer and piano prodigy, because he's playing a sonata or whatever for us. He is Bobby and Mike's attorney. And I'm like, yeah. okay, okay, so all right, we'll yeah. get there. But he's just like playing piano and he's like, that's good, right? I know, and I love that the, the producer like, you know what? These are three really long episodes. Let's leave that in. Let's leave. Let's, you know, this let's could have been a piano. forty-two minute prime time special. <laughs> totally. So this guy who comes in and just buys the inventory, he then fires Mike Cassell. Yeah, bankrupts the company, files Chapter Eleven, and Mike Cassell is devastated. He's like, "I like built this up when I was in prison. I really, really tried." It's and like everyone's got to stop selling their shit at the first opportunity. You know what I like mean? Never. They no one ever. It, one person does, but no one ever has a lawyer look over a piece of paper. I everyone's know. just like, "Uh, yeah, okay." Like no one's really thinking ahead because. Mike's like, oh, 35 grand today? That uh -huh. sounds great. Uh-huh. Not thinking ahead. We get the round robin. Everyone's like, Mike Cassell absolutely had a very strange Midas touch where everything he touched turned to gold, and then two seconds later, it turned into a big pile of shit. And that is, like, the best way to describe Mike Cassell. Everything he touched turned to gold, and then it turned to shit right after. Right away. Like, that's, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Mike, you're the ideas person. I know. You gotta get yourself a Steve. I know. You know Everyone, what I mean? Yeah. Without a Steve, I'd be a Mike. Someone who loves Excel spreadsheets. I know. That's, that's what you need in your life. And someone who loves you and tolerates right. the fact that you take out the half and half and leave it on the counter, never to go back into the refrigerator. He loves you so much. I know. You do shit like that I know. all the time. I and know. he loves you so much. You, like, make coffee and then make a mess and leave everything out. And then I you're know. like, bye. Yes, that yeah. is true. I'm saying he loves you. We're a good match. I agree yeah. completely. So it's 1996 and Mike and Bobby are still working together, even though, like, their brand is now gone. Yeah. And they're at this fashion trade show and they're looking for the next big thing. And Ed Boswell, the grump from the beginning with the yes. lube in his bed, entree, voodoo or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> with the he's, he's there at this trade show selling the Von Dutch patches. Yeah. So, again, this Ed Boswell guy knows the artist's family, whatever his name is, Kenneth, whatever, yeah. knows, like, and, like, he's got the, like, this, everyone's got a good idea. Everyone sees this artist has created this really cool thing, and we're gonna do something with it, and Boswell is, like, selling the patches. Just the patches, just, not on anything. Yes. Just the patches. And so, Mike says to Bobby, look, while we still have some clout in this world, before everybody realizes I sold my business for $35,000 and a bunch of t-shirts, <laughs> we gotta, like, make our next big move. So, they go up to Ed Boswell, and they're like, we want this. And Ed's like, alright, cool, not only do I have the blessing of the family, but check out this manifesto that Von Dutch wrote where he just like rants and raves about a great many things. We'll get yeah. to some of them later. Nobody read that manifesto real close. Right. Oh, yeah. they, and right now they just read what they wanted to read, yeah. which was basically yeah. like Use any of my stuff you want. Nothing is original. Everything is in the subconscious. We just tap it sometimes and think we have originated something. 
Genes make us more or less interested in certain things, but nothing is truly original. Copyrights and patents are mostly an ego trip. Nothing is really original anyway. You think it is, but it's not just taken. It's just taken, and like his shit is really fucking cool. Like it really is cool. So Mike and Ed have now met, right? Yeah. Ed tells us, I came up with the idea for the clothing line right away. Mike says, no, no, no. All Ed the Grump had was the patches, and I made it a clothing line. Right. Like he was like, I want, I had the vision. And like I kind of believe Mike. Like he comes from the clothing line world. I this agree. makes sense to me. Also, Ed, if you were putting pat if you were doing a clothing line, you would have had a clothing line. Right. Instead of just selling patches. Exactly. Exactly. Come on, Ed. And so Mike, the clothing line guy, doesn't have any money. And he, I, apparently he's like a former felon. Right. So he can't get an institution to lend him money. They can't get money on the up and up. So. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it was a very circuitous way of me getting yeah, around Yeah, because they're all that. criminals. Right. And like, and also we hear like everyone's a racist, which is very true. Yes. So like they're really just up against it. But also they're criminals. Right. But so Mike goes to his brother and his brother, he had like lent his brother some of his drug money and that got his brother's business off the ground. And now his brother's business is really successful. Yeah. So the brother returns the favor gives him the cash. Right. And everything like Mike starts the brand and yeah. every he's making the products, shirts, jeans, hats. He was on fire, says and his ex-wife. He's saying the only reason I have any business at all is because I just know what cool is. Which I was kind of like, I admire that because I am the opposite. <laughs> and he but he says like he is very authentic yeah. and he has a lot of attention to detail. So he tried to make things in the spirit of Von Dutch. So Ed the Grump is here to say, like, that's not true, but Mike really takes it to heart. And I do believe Mike in this. And we get a little bit of the history, which normally I think is boring, but this is really fucking cool. We get the story, like, if you remember the Von Dutch clothes, especially at the beginning, they had a look. Yeah. And they had a feel. Yeah. The t-shirts came from military history. And all jeans, waist overalls, and denim were created out of the need for workwear when building the infrastructure of the railroads for America. That's how the first denim was created. So mechanics, you know, they had like rock hard shit. So it's like everything was always hard. So hard denim made sense. Like, this is all American, man, you know what I mean? Mike says the jeans and the denim were created out of, like, an homage to the needs of what the workers would wear building the railroads. Right. And, you like, know? mechanics and yeah. people who were really using their hands. Although, we do learn that the first ever round of Von Dutch was just Dickies jeans, and they ripped the Dickies labels off and, and sewed Von Dutch. I think them. that is such a... And everyone who tells that story is like, oh, no oh, one knows. Shit. Oh, I'm just telling you that no one Chanel knows. Chanel with the open bottle yeah. of champagne. She's like, is it? What's the statute of limitations on that? Can totally. I, can I say that now? Now, meanwhile, the brand is growing and booming and Bobby, the unreliable narrator, yeah. falls in love. We meet her. Her name is Eli Jane. Bobby is telling us the story that he meets her at like a trade show. Yeah. Apparently she walked into the room and just everyone wanted a piece of this girl. Right. She was She's so 18 gorgeous, years old. so hot. Yeah. She was very much into meth at the time. Yeah. She hasn't done meth in 21 years, to which I say congratulations, Eli. I mean that sincerely. Uh -huh. She also says, I'm watching Breaking Bad right now, so meth is like in my <laughs> life a lot. Uh, which, and also good for her. It must be maybe hard or triggering to watch that show as excellent as Breaking Bad is. So yes. good for you, Eli. Yeah, and, she, and like they both kind of described like she was like the hot number at this trade show and everyone wanted to talk to her and she wanted to talk to Bobby and Bobby wanted to talk to her and they go have like dinner together and Bobby is like head over heels instantly. Totally. And so Eli becomes one of their very first models. Yeah. She, everyone needs to be the first something uh -huh. because everyone's like, I'm the creator of Von Dutch. I'm the creator of Von Dutch. And then she goes, I was the first model and the 
their first investor. And I'm like, I thought I, the brother was the first I, investor, but it doesn't matter. I'm not going to get into the weeds about you know who what? was investing when. None of you are getting any money, so it, it doesn't do, it matter. Really doesn't it matter. Really, who cares? And then we learn, like, Eli's story about how she got into substances and just, like, it's very scary to me. It is. Like, she was a kid that, like, was a gymnast and she then became a diver. I was like, okay. Yeah. She wanted to be an actress, so she gets into modeling. And, like, she just sounds like she didn't have a lot of, like, parenting. She just says, and these are her words, not yeah. mine. She says, by the time I was a junior in high school, I was, like, roofing myself. Like, that's what we did in Florida, the crew that I hung out with. Like, we would give each other roofies. And then by the time I was a senior in high school, I had OD'd on crack. And I didn't even know it was crack. I was a child doing, like, heavy, hardcore drugs. In high school, I used to roofie myself. That's just what we did in Florida. I know. Her words, not mine. I'm sorry, I know. Florida. But, like, at the time that she meets Bobby, she's, like, still in her addiction. And yes. those are her words, too. And yes. she says that, like, they meet, they have this magical night, and the next day at the trade show, she's already, like, modeling some of the clothes. But she's doing, like, her gymnastics routine. Like, backflips. Doing backflips. And Bobby's like, you need to settle down. It's as though I wandered in yeah. and was modeling the clothes. She's like, what did I do? It was a round-off back handspring, <laughs> round-off. It's like that moment and bring it on. Totally, totally, totally. <laughs> And that's what she does. But then, you know, by she's 18. Yeah. And she gets pregnant at 19. And Bobby is this such is... a piece of shit in this moment. Yeah. Because the way Eli describes it is that they were like in a car uh-huh. near like some overlook. So she is like, hey, like, what about like condoms or protection? And he's yeah. like, don't worry, baby. My sperm doesn't work. <laughs> He doesn't say sperm. No. Sorry, but it's like, like he's like shooting blanks or whatever. Whatever. His boys can't swim. Whatever he's just lying say. to her. But that's such bullshit to get a girl to have sex with you without a condom. She's 19 years old and she gets pregnant. She is pregnant. Uh, and then she has the baby at 30 weeks. Yeah. Like the baby is three pounds, six ounces. Like, you know Daisy. Daisy's like a tiny person. Yeah. She was eight pounds when she was born. I was like seven pounds, six ounces, yeah. I think. <laughs> six ounces. Seven pounds. Is that right? Anyway. <laughs> But the point is, like, there was a 50-50 chance this baby was going to make it. And the baby's name is Elijah. Yeah, and, like, Bobby... Bobby was super happy. He was super passionate about what he was doing. He was, like, so proud of his son, and he finally found his purpose. At that point, I was just driven, like, no tomorrow, bro. I was talking 20-hour, 22, 23-hour days, man. And changing diaper. All of it. This is serious now. Loved being a dad, loved having a baby. So at least there's that. Yeah, the baby changes his life, which I'm sure it does. Yes. You know, but then more importantly, according to Bobby, he meets Jerry Anderson, who's Pamela Anderson's brother. (laughs) Which I was like, news to me that Pam Anderson's got a brother. I know. Well, Bobby makes it clear. I had to really put a lot of time in with Jerry so that he didn't know I was totally using him to get to his famous hot sister. But like, I'm sorry, Jerry. Like, that's your lot in life. You know what I mean? Right. If you don't want people trying to use you to get to your sister, don't hang out with dirtbags like Bobby and don't like tell them your last name. And I feel like Bobby's not that good of an actor. Uh-huh. Jerry knew 100% that Bobby was using him to get to Pam to then get to Tommy. And I gotta Tommy also Lee. say that like Bobby probably had ins to cool parties and Pam was probably sick of him being the hanger on for her. Yeah. Like I think everyone's getting what they want here. I think so. You know what I, I mean? I think so. You although, don't live in Southern California unless you're like these people. Although Pam Anderson is not here to confirm nor deny any of this. Yeah. So who the hell That's knows? That's true. <laughs> Shockingly, Pam Anderson didn't want to sit down for the Hulu doc about the Von Dutch company. I mean, uh, she's been through enough. <laughs> I know. 
Including opening night in Chicago. I know. <laughs> Which we missed. We were going to do like a field trip and then I don't know, I something know. happened. But we didn't. We ended up not going. I anyway. feel like I, I am less gay having not seen Pam Anderson in I Chicago know. on Broadway. Missed opportunity. It's true. She'll be back. Yeah. So according to Bobby, yeah. he and Pam Anderson become friends and he's like pitching her the Von Dutch brand. No, and wait, then- listen. We're, we're told, like, remember that show VIP she was on? Uh-huh. So we're told that like he goes to visit her on set. Right. And she thinks he's so hot. So she brings me in her trailer. Then I'm kind of like wondering, like, man, is this shit, like, am I gonna mack her? Like, cause I'm like, cause she's so hot. She tells the security to stay out. And we're in there alone and she has a stack of denim. She starts changing, like, doodles, she's like changing in front of me. I'm like, oh my. And then I remember one funny thing though. She's sitting there like with these capris, they were too tight. She goes, I don't like this fit. It was a Frankie B pair. And she goes like this and she grabs this toothbrush. She goes, look, it's a toothbrush holder. Like, it was just a funny experience. And she put this like toothbrush in her ass. She invites him back to her trailer. And like gets undressed in and front of us. It's a very disgusting story. Out. It's so fucking, and I don't believe a fucking word And of this it. is where we get the on-screen text being like, Pam Anderson is, did right. not comment <laughs> on that. And yeah. I'm like, and she, yeah. should, she shouldn't have to because no. I know it's bullshit. Right. The truth is that somehow through Pam Anderson, Bobby is introduced to Tommy Lee, which yeah. is really what he wanted anyway. A hundred percent. And so we get this crazy story that Bobby gets invited over to Tommy Lee's house. Called Tommy Land. Tommy, I cannot. Again. Barf. <laughs> I do think he is so of sexy. Of course. <laughs> you know what I think? I think he's an excellent drummer. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah, he great. would go upside down and he would throw the... He just has, like, if I'm picking the body I want, it's that. Really? It's that, like, tiny, skinny little body. Like, that's the body. I will never have that body. But, like, he has the dream body for me. Okay. So... <laughs> All right. It's so funny. They show a, a part of the Pam Anderson, Tommy Lee, like, sex tape in this documentary. Yeah. Steve walked by me at 4.30 in the morning as... I thought you were at work, I, he says. <laughs> he's like, are you... You watching the Pam Anderson sex tape? Yeah. I was like, no. I, not, I promise. Well, we'll do that documentary whenever it comes out because oh, there's a doc yeah. with her. We'll do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, he shows up to Tommy Land. Now, Tommy is worth $80 million. I didn't know this. We're told he sold the, the masters to all of his like- Well, Motley Crue was gigantic. I guess, but like 80 million- No, 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 million... like they were. Yeah? I, they were huge. And I guess that was back when people had to buy albums and stuff. Of course. I mean, they were they were massive. So the fact that he was like, fuck it, I don't need the Masters, just selling it for the cash. 80 is, million is, bucks. It's very Tommy Lee. He already sold the Masters and had like 80 million dollars. He didn't care. It was just sick crib, nothing but time, and then just all he was doing was macking girls and cruising. He lays around the house. He's got women all over the place. He's and drinking he's and doing drugs. And I'm like, please, God, never let me get that rich. No. You know what I mean? He, he really, he doesn't know what to do with his money. He yeah. Actually, you know, people are like, he's so rich, he doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do with it's it. It's true. So he gets so drunk that Tommy forgets that he's filming Cribs on MTV, that an entire film crew is coming to his house to get a tour of his home. Now, normally- At like eight in the morning. So Bobby has spent the night and it's like Tommy Lee went to bed two hours ago. He's just like upstairs. Yeah. yeah. Probably not in bed. Right. You see what I'm saying, TikTok? <laughs> probably not in bed. So, probably not sleeping, I yeah. should say. But normally, someone would, like, make sure the house is pristine. Yes. They had people cleaning it all week. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, they yeah. make sure... I would clean it, but Mariah Carey's not cleaning her own house. Exactly. Okay? That was the episode where she was doing on the the treadmill in her heels. Is that Mariah right? Carey, yeah. <laughs> and Cribs was wild. Cribs was, like, an insane it was television wild. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, like, the producer knocks on the door... And he's like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, but according to Bobby, Bobby answers the phone and she's like, we're here to film. We're filming all fucking day. He's got to go wake up Tommy Lee. And he's like, Tommy Lee's so fucked up. He's just giving him more booze to like. He like does a shot to wake him totally. up. <laughs> but Bobby really. 
literally thinks on his feet, yes. hammered or not, because yes. we see Tommy hammered. Yes. And he's by like the koi pond and he's trying to be all deep and he's like, this is where I go, you know, to get rid of the madness yeah, of mayhem, you know what I mean? Of Tommy Land. Right, of Tommy Land. Like the madness, of the, the self-inflicted <laughs> madness of mayhem and you love every second of it. <laughs> but Bobby <laughs> is like, hey, hey, bro, or whatever they, however they talk, wear this Von Dutch shirt. <laughs> it's so, not like, hey, hey girl. Hey girl. No, hey, girl. it's like, hey bro, like yeah. no homo, but like, no. can you cha- take your shirt off and put this one on? And so he does. So basically, I always had all the shit in the house, and so I had some samples of just like my shirts, Von Dutch Customs. But I, I stretched the logo a little, made it a little more streamlined, and made it like like bigger across the whole thing with customs. So I had fresh ones, and I go, I go, Tommy, dude, you gotta rock the shit right now. He's like, fuck yeah. And then I put all the girls, I'm like, look, give me your wife beaters. So I put stickers to make it look like they're wearing our shit. So if you look all the girls like in the episode, everybody's wearing Von Dutch. It became like the whole Von Dutch set. It was sick. Everyone's wearing Von Dutch, and we see Bobby in the footage it's of the crazy. MTV. It's crazy. And he tells us that, like, it's, like, the most replayed episode of Cribs because Tommy Lee just turned the whole set into a party. Right. It was the best episode. You couldn't have scripted it. Right. I mean, like, and everyone is decked out in Von Dutch. But you know MTV was like, let's just show up. Uh-huh. Like, like I'm sure they knew Tommy Lee wasn't going to be prepared, but they get the best episode <laughs> they could get. But, I mean, like, that alone should give this fucking Bobby guy some percentage of, of the company, like, forever and ever, you I know? Mean, because he loved he loved his job and he really like I don't know he was super into it but it all yeah. goes off the rails very very soon yes so now everyone's like where's Grumpy Ed in all this right? right like where the hell is he and he hates everyone they never got along Grumpy Ed was the guy that was selling the patches and right. like he was one who like had the deal with the family and then Mike came in and sort of like got the and he's deal. like I know the spirit of Von Dutch and he'd hate all of this yes so like the way Ed Grumpy Ed tells it is that like they kick him out of the company like they also of the company they kick Ed out yeah. they don't give him any money or percentage and Ed doesn't fight this or get a lawyer he's just mad about it forever which is insane because if you're Ed and he like, knows like the legalese of this all he's and he saying, knows the family right? and he knows that like he's the, he can very easily prove like I had these Von Dutch patches yes. and like I, I should get something he doesn't do anything he's just mad about it forever he says he's owed 1% of everything in perpetuity forever at one point this company is like a 400 million dollar a year company yeah you and know he's just mad yeah so like business is kind of booming or it's starting to boom but everyone's everyone hates each other and no one they don't have a Steve and they don't like this is what I was saying to you via text this morning yeah. everyone wants to start a business no yes. one wants to run a business yes. and no one wants to learn how to run a business we see this all the time in, in things we cover I didn't I brought Steve in <laughs> I said in things we cover yeah no I'm just saying like in general like I get that like it's hard to oh, start a business because you have to be good at everything of course, and no one is good at everything no, so that's no. why like you know it takes a village everyone 100%. like it takes a lot of people to do you should you have to recognize, like, I'm good at this part. I'm bad at this part. I yeah. need someone who's awesome at the things I can't do. Totally. And so when they realize they're just, like, spending money, they've got no budget, they've got nothing going on, they need a money person to come in, enter a guy named Tony Sorensen. Right. And that's the end of episode one. Yes. Wait till you meet Tony Sorensen. Oh, my God. This guy <laughs> is, I mean, like, it's a great cliffhanger for, like, our part two, which, by the way, is available right now and right. ad-free on the Patreon. I'm just going to say this guy has motorcycles on shelves. <laughs> that's, a, that's the kind of money we're talking about with Tony. We'll tell you all about him next week. It's off the rails. 
Patreon fam, you can go get episode two right now, ad-free, at the $5 level on the Patreon. It'll be our regular episode next week. Yep. Also on the Patreon, over 350 full ad-free bonus episodes to download a binge right this second. Yeah, so all the long-form series like The Vow and Heaven's Gate and all that stuff. And also, like, after parties. Yes. And we have, like, monthly surprises and all fun stuff. It's, it's a party. really a Everyone's party. Everyone's invited. Yeah, follow us on TikTok. I say it every week. Like, the funniest moments that you just heard in today's episode will be on TikTok, like, today or tomorrow. Oh, so go follow. Go find the funny moments. It's so worth doing. It's True Crime Obsessed Pod on the TikTok. Okay. Join the Facebook group if you want, like, a community and you want to make friends. Yeah, True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion <laughs> Group on Facebook. <laughs> Whew, yeah, that's it. There's no next time on because we're going right into part two. Yeah. So stay tuned for the outtakes. Okay. We'll, we'll see you in a minute. All right. See you soon, Tony. All right. Bye. Bye. Are you okay? Did you just hit yourself? No. I um, That thing under your tongue that holds your tongue in place, uh-huh. I got like stuck between my teeth and it Oh, really God. Hurts. Are you okay? That sounds horrible. <laughs> that thing got stuck. The little thing that holds my tongue That's down. Some people stuck. have pierced. I don't understand ah! it. Sorry. Doesn't it not hurt as much now? Because now you're thinking about something else. Did that help at all? Uh, a little distraction therapy. You okay? I think I'm going to live. Okay. okay. PKFC is back again. 